It's the baby episode. It's the baby episode. Labor Day's here. I really, really thought you were going to come in with, ooh, baby, I love your way. Well, I, there was a lot of them. I thought about the Uga Chaka just because of the Ally McBeal reference, but then I realized that we're, we're not a visual medium, so. Mm. <laughs> I don't I don't think most people know about the Dancing Baby meme and that it predates Ally McBeal, my friend. It did indeed, but I do think that that clearly made it like a thing. A meme. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that memed it up. Uh, yeah, that definitely brought the meme to it. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> Is it? Uh, no, but you know, if we were doing this, if you're listening to this in the winter, then that worked out pretty well for you. That worked out pretty well. Yeah, well, what, what it actually is, just in case you are listening to winter, it is Labor Day. And so we leaned as hard into dad jokedom as possible and uh, decided to do a labor episode, meaning that these are our favorite movies that have babies involved. Or in, in some way or another. Some right. way or another, right? And we're, we're just we're just going to establish right now that this is fully in that same category of there's not nearly as many movies with babies playing a central role as one might think. Yeah, it definitely in putting my list together. So I had no problem getting a list of movies. I don't know that many of them are very good, uh, but there is a list for sure. I do think uh, that this is going to be a really good week. I'm interested to see how it, it pans out. So again, JT, Millennial, Jeremy. I'm st- solid. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of barely in the Gen Xer, but, you know, I'm Gen X. Yeah, we're both kind of fringy. Like, I'm definitely fringe Millennial. But regardless, I do think in putting my list together, I was like, there was a, a number of movies that came to mind that I was like, oh, this is definitely like more in Jeremy's wheelhouse. I wonder if it'll make his list or not. And then I realized that, like, I could only put together 15 to 20 movies total. So I was like... I hope so, because, you know, otherwise we're going to have a lot of the same stuff. But, Jeremy, how is, uh, how is your list creation? Terrible. Just, just, <laughs> just not good. I was texting JT earlier this week, everybody, like, hey, so we're going to just expand this. I think I said, like, we're just going to expand this to all parenting. And he's like, dude, that, that's a bit broad. Yeah. And so I, I stuck with it. I stayed the course. Um I've already made a labor pun, so I don't need to go that down that route again. Uh, but I guess I would say, you know, while making the list, I, I probably could use an epidural or something. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's not belabor the point and get right to it. Uh, oh, stay. did you have that in your written notes or was that real time? That just happened when you made when you said labor pun. I was like, oh, I bet he's going to say belabor and you didn't. And so it opened the door. Door was open. Well, you walked right through. Uh, yeah, I watched right through. Uh, so uh, let's talk Shawshank. So the Shawshank, uh, going back to our very first episode, the most rewatchable movies, Shawshank is undoubtedly that. So is there a category, like a categorically defining film around babies? You know, I think there sort of are, but I decided not to put anything in my definitive. I have one that went, went which is in my top five that I would say is the best of these by a long shot, Ooh. or in my opinion, at least. Um, but I didn't have anything that was like, oh, it's just so up there that everybody's going to be like that. You got to do that movie. So for me, I do not Shawshank the week. How about you? I do have one, um, but I'm also not super sold on it. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking that I might punt and just say that let's go into our top five because I have a feeling that it might be in your top five. And the only reason it was my Shawshank was because I think 
for people of our generation, I don't think your kids would even know this movie, but for our generation, I think if you said baby, I think this, there's like one movie that jumps to mind, I think instantly, but I don't know that it's good. So I'm kind of fine not saying that it really defines it. So maybe we should just move into the top five. I'm very comfortable with that. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's our podcast, man. Let's just do it. All right, cool. Well, that means that you are first this week, right? Right? Yep. Yay, I did it. So, Jeremy, kick us off, bud. All right. Uh, for me, I'm going to start with the one that I consider like the top of my list. So I, I'm going to just get the what I think is the best one out of the way. Uh, 1987 would be the year. Okay. The cast includes John Goodman and Francis McDormand. Okay. And the five-word clue, I went back to the traditional, JT. No clever gamesmanship this week. The five-word clue is surprised they'd miss a quintuplet. Yeah, so this is Raising Arizona. It sure is. It's a great one. Uh, I had this in Contender Pong only because I don't remember enough. Um, So I'm going to introduce my five-word theory to you because I had five words for this. So this week I did the five words from the perspective of the baby. I almost did that, but I couldn't make it all work. So awesome. I want to hear where you went. So my five words were, this new family is different. <laughs> <laughs> that that it was. So Raising Arizona, 87 by the Coen brothers. And I would argue next to Fargo, this is my favorite of their work. Possibly, it, it in some ways is, I think you could look at it as actually slightly better than Fargo. I think a Fargo mm. is... Fargo's like a, I mean, that's, you know, that's, let, let me retract that just a bit. Fargo is just a, a phenomenal film. Raising Arizona, I think, is a bit more fun, rompy comedy, more a little bit more accessible. Like, I think anyone can watch Raising Arizona and have a good old time with it. It's got more levels of absurdist humor. Um, you know, it's, it's it's in that sort of Lebowski. It, it it's sort of somewhere between like Lebowski and Fargo. I guess might be a, a way to to place the movie. Yeah, I actually think that's really very well said. That's very well said. I dig that. Right, because Lebowski. I, I mean, we love, but it does polarize people. Like there are a lot of people who have a lot of hate for that movie. Uh, I don't talk to those people anymore because right. why, why would I? No, I'm just kidding. Not really. Am I? Maybe. I mean, that's Lebowski. How can you not? How, how can you be listening to movie podcasts and not have some feelings about that movie? I, I guess you could have some hate. That's fine. Uh, and Fargo, I think, is very—I don't know—it's very broody and intellectual kind of comedy. And Raising Arizona sort of hits all of those elements. It's—it's—it can hit you in the feels a little bit. I think um, Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter's relationship and the way they talk, interact with each other is fun to watch, but. There's a certain sweetness to it beyond the silly, silliness and goofiness. The craziness of the kidnappers. I mean, John Goodman is Ugh. so, so perfect in this role. Yeah. I, I, I would actually say his only, his, the only performance that outshines this is, uh, is, is Walter, you know? Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's perfectly said. So genuinely, the only reason that I was going to put this in my top five. It's not that I don't like it. I just don't remember it as well as a lot of their other stuff because sure. I haven't rewatched it a ton. But Goodman in this movie sticks out to me so hard. <laughs> yeah, like there, there's probably some alternate universe where where that character is just a younger Walter Subject, right? And and I hope you so. almost have the nihilist in here, right? You have a lot of yeah. those elements. 
What's funny for me is this is another one, uh, like like the one we were talking about a few weeks ago. I didn't really like it that much the first time I saw it. it I, I think I was too young, right? I think I saw this probably as a 14, 15-year-old and didn't get some of the absurdist humor of it. I didn't understand the the level of farce that they were playing with in it. So to me, I think I probably looked at it more like a typical 80s era comedy. And it's not. I would argue that this is almost like a foray into 90s era comedy, right? Like yeah. Raising Arizona, if, if, if they had, if, if the Coen brothers had called it like the, I don't know, whatever the trilogy, and you had put this Fargo and Big Lebowski in some kind of shared universe, I think we'd all be like, yep, that was the Coen brothers in the 90s and they crushed comedy in the 90s. So it, it, it's sort of like a, a predating of an era of com- uh, of humor. So love it. Please yeah, I, I think it's a great pick. I'm glad that it's in your top five. I wanted to put it in my top five because my memory of it is very positive. But uh, it came out in 87, so I was two. I think the first time I saw <laughs> it, I was probably roughly the same age that you just said. I think I probably saw it as like a 13 or 14-year-old. And I remember thinking it was silly, but not really getting why it was silly. I just remember thinking this is a silly movie and then watching it again in my 20s and going, and again, the reason I watched this actually is because I became more familiar with the Coen brothers and their work. And I was like, I should watch Raising Arizona again and did and went, oh, I get it now. So here'd be the question. I'm just going real time on this, buddy. You, we, we both like all three of these movies. What is the correct order to watch Fargo, Raising Arizona and Big Lebowski if you're going to do a Coen brothers marathon one Sunday afternoon? Oh, that's a great question. And my I'm going to go right off the hip and not put too much thought into it. I think it has to probably go Lebowski, Arizona, Fargo. Interesting, because I was going to go Arizona, Fargo, Lebowski. Okay, so why? So my, my rationale is Raising Arizona is, is, is sort of the most – least and most grounded of the three in a weird way. It sort of sets sets a tone. And then Fargo goes absurdist in one direction and then Lebowski goes absurdist in the other direction that, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe they do need the sandwich. Maybe it needs to be the Raising Arizona sandwich. I don't know. I, I, I'm doing the same thing as you. It's fully off the cuff. What, what was your reasoning? So the reason is, is that I think if you watch Lebowski first, will orient, we'll orient you into the absolute absurdity that exists. Then I would think Raising Arizona puts you a little bit back into like there's some reality here, but also we're still pretty silly, which then would set you up for seeing Fargo as it actually is, which is like, yes, there's absurdity, but it's also like very dark and very weird and there's a lot happening. And I think if you introduce that before orienting around the Coen brothers kind of in general, Fargo could be really (laughs) off-putting. That's fair. I, I think the only thing about Lebowski that I keep coming back to is I don't know that I really want to watch another movie right after I've watched Lebowski. Lebowski feels like it's dessert. You know, it's that's first of all an amazing way to to couch what Lebowski is. It absolutely is dessert. I wasn't approaching this as far as like you have to watch them in a row. I was thinking more just like over time, which are the ones that you like if you had to see them in a linear progression, which the progression. But yeah, if you're like sitting down, no, you ev- always end with Lebowski. Always. Very. <laughs> All right. We uh, we could probably stick with the Coen Brothers for, for another hour or so, but let's hear what your what is your first pick of the day. All right. So I'm going to just let, I have no idea how to go in like any particular order here. So you said something that made me think, oh, I'll do this one. So I'm going to do, do this one. Uh, June 5th, 2009. Uh, I'll give you 
Rob Riggle and Jeffrey Tambor. Okay. All right. Five words. Four new uncles out of nowhere. Interesting. Now I'm trying to figure out if this is the same movie I have for 2009. Four new uncles out of nowhere. I don't. It could be. The, my, my, I have an entry in my list that is a movie I liked very much, and I don't remember all of the nuances of the plot offhand. So oh, that's uh, not this. Okay, what what you got? Uh, this is The Hangover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Carlos uh, plays a pretty big role in this movie, I would argue. <laughs> I, I think that's a good pick. It's funny. Hangover was when I when I succumbed to Googling stuff. I saw... Hangover a couple of times in lists, and I was like, I don't, you know, I love the movie, so I have no no qualms with it. But for me, I didn't really associate it that far. But I think it's a very fair. It's I totally accept it as an entry. So continue on. Yeah. So what dawned on me is that I've never actually talked about the Hangover in any context other than Leslie Chow when we did our favorite villains or whatever it was, favorite protagonist episode. So right. The Hangover, so what made me think that I'll do this one after you just said that, the way that you said Raising Arizona kind of like was a 90s comedy before 90s comedies, like the derivative work from The Hangover is unreal. Like absolutely unreal. Yeah. Like they reframed the buddy comedy for the majority of the 2010s, even into like even so much to change the way certain franchises that already existed approached things. Right. Like just this this introduction of like the absurdity, like it's just it's a really brilliantly done comedy. Um, I actually wrote down like I think it's perfect. Like I don't think I would the first one, the the other two big problems. But this one, I think it plays perfectly as it is. I don't think there's any scenes I would change. I don't think even the like the the little stuff, I think the speed, the storyline, the setup, the punches, like I think all of it really works. And it works perfectly, like it's perfectly cohesive. It makes total sense. There's a fair amount of agency for a ridiculous comedy. Um, I just really think it's really good. And Carlos, I think, is one of the more iconic things. Like you still see that was a huge uh, Halloween outfit for a long time. You still see the baby with the sunglasses on like bumper stickers. Like people still wear the shirt. And I think in a movie that was filled with over-the-edge adult humor, this idea of him walking through the casino with the baby thing is just like a really human-orienting factor, and it always really makes me laugh. Uh, And I just think it was great, and I I really do love this movie. And one fun piece of trivia, which is not actually about the movie, but about Mike Tyson. So as a, like, fan of boxing and just sports in general, like so this movie very, like, gets credit in Tyson's life for cleaning him up because he only took this movie to get drugs and he was high on cocaine, according to him, like from his one man show the entire time he filmed it. And it was being on set with somebody like Bradley Cooper, who's like a teetotaler. Like he's not, he's been sober for a long time. And it like sort of like brought Tyson to really understand his life choices. And he sobered up after this, which is hilarious. If you think about the context of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Uh, I think it's, uh, by the way, I agreed with pretty much everything you're saying about the movie. I think uh, Hangover, it's an iconic comedy. You know, it's it's probably not going to hold up great other than for those who lived through that time, enjoyed the movie, knew what it, knew the impact it had on comedy. Um, my, my hunch is it'll, it, 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 it's so many 
uh, areas of comedy that you can't touch as well anymore. Yeah. I mean, the director, when making the Joker, and I'm blanking on his name right now, Todd, um, director's Todd. Phillips? Phillips, thank you. Uh, he was quoted as while making the Joker as saying, you just simply cannot make comedies anymore. Right. And there's some truth in that. Right. And the hangover might be that last, it might be that last entry. I, I think there were a lot more of the irreverent silly comedies after hot tub time machines, things like that, that were still funny to watch, but were, were, as you said, very derivative kind oh. of work. Hangover took the absurd extreme comedy to a level, uh, you know, that cringe moment where you you just sort of had to enjoy it probably you you kick it off with there's something about mary and end it with with the hangover would be the 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 run of super cringy absurdist comedy era yeah it was just unapologetic like that's the thing that i like the most about it like there's even a story which i don't know if it's true or not about that they originally they wanted to use a real taser in the taser scene like that was what they they were actually going to tase them and then warner brothers was like no Like you, yeah, I, I'm actually surprised they didn't, considering everything else they did in that movie. Why not? Yeah, they're just like you can't, you can't do that. Um, but like the fact that that was a conversation at a table tells you a big thing about when that movie was made, because that like you couldn't even if someone broached that subject today, they'd be fired, right? right. These guys sat with like, hey, so we want to tase uh, a couple really famous actors. Are, are we cool with this? Like, this is cool, right? Zach Galifianakis, you're down. We're going to tase you. Like, it's just like a crazy thing to think that was like a real conversation. This is, and we, we would probably assume Zach would have been the first one in line to be like, yeah, sure, do it. Yeah, I, I, I think there's nothing he wouldn't commit to for a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Well, I'll stay in the same year with a movie that I'm very glad is, I mean, I, I can't tell you how opposite a movie I'm about to name. Right. But uh, we'll stick in 2009. Okay. The cast includes Allison Janney and Catherine O'Hara. I like both of them quite a bit. This is one of those, like, the cast is plenty of goodness to choose from. Um, the movie I will give you for five words, Road Trip to Find Home. I'm very confused right now because 2009 is uh, is like really my wheelhouse. And so I should really know a movie about a baby in 2009. And it ain't happening, bud. Well, this will be the first time I'll say that I um, I don't know that I cheated, JT. It's interpretive. It's an interpretation. Like it's it's a fair interpretation of the rules. I'm here for this. This movie, the baby doesn't exist yet. The ba- the this is a movie about a a pregnant person. Well, actually, a couple, but one of them's pregnant. And uh, the movie's called Away We Go. So, okay. So all right, go on. Are you familiar with it? Just so I know. Yeah. So this is a movie that I always wanted to see. It's been on my list of movies you have to see for the better part of probably 11 years at this point. And I just never got around to it. (laughs) All right. Let's do a quick. Here's here's some of the cast for you. Yeah. Uh, And I'll just name the ones that are well known because there's a lot of other people here or bit parts. But just just for your sake, because I know who who some of the people you like. Cast includes uh, John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph as the leads. Yep. Allison Janney, Catherine O'Hara, Jeff Daniels, who I know you like. Oh, love. Jim Gaffigan, who I assume at least one of his bits is one of your favorite stand-ups, I assume. Not favorite, yeah. but I love him as a, as a comedian. All right. Maggie Gillen, Gyllenhaal. Big fan. And a bunch of other talented people. Yeah. And the story is basically um, Krasinski and Rudolph are an expecting couple. 
I can't remember where they start in the in, in the journey, but they basically have decided that where they currently live is not where they should raise their child. And so they go on this sort of road trip to um, friends and family members and just sort of checking out the country for alternate places to find and call home and live live their you know their best life as we would say today. It's written by Dave Eggers who I think is hysterical mm-hmm. uh, and it's directed by Sam Mendes, who's yep. done also amazing work. And it's one of these, I don't know. I, I have this label that it's going to sound sort of mamsy pamsy in a way. It's one of these movies that I would label as just sort of a nice movie. It, um, I put like chef with John Favreau in this category. Oh yeah. Um, that's a, that's a great Dave, way to put that. Like Dave uh, with Kevin Klein is in this category where yeah, there's some conflict and some things aren't perfect, but for the most part, it's it's a little more lighthearted. Here, the seriousness is much more in relationships, and a lot of it's just basically them making fun of, like, they have absurdist family members living crazy lives and different types of parenting styles and all the stuff that's pretty real. The final reason I really like the movie is uh, the soundtracks by Alexi Murdoch, who's a singer-songwriter, acoustic guitarist guy. Fell in love with the soundtrack, I really was desperate for something of this to have been original for last week's episode, but actually it was just basically his last album repurposed as the soundtrack. So mm. unfortunately nothing, nothing original, um, but it's just a night. It, it's a nice movie. I don't think you're going to watch it a lot of times over, but it's definitely worth the one time through. So this is, you're setting me up perfectly because now I know exactly what movie I'm going to go into next and I'll address something about this movie in that. Uh, love Krasinski, big fan of Dave Eggers. Um, Mendez is great. So yeah, I mean, this literally has all the things that would make me want. And I literally, Jeff Daniels can do no wrong in my eyes. Like I would watch anything Jeff Daniels does. So this has all the things of like, JT, you, you will probably most definitely enjoy this movie. Again, I don't know how often I'd see it again, but and I do want to watch it. It's a thing I definitely want to watch. So yeah. And by the way, I love your interpretation of this because the baby is the central theme of the movie, regardless of whether it's existing or not. I think it's totally in, in bounds. Oh, that's good because this ain't the only entry like this. Yeah, I have, I have a feeling that's probably true for both of us. Uh, all right, so I'm going to take that and go back one year to April 25th, 2008. And I will give you Steve Martin and Holland Taylor. I'm going to guess based on the year, is this one of the Father of the Brides movies? It is not, but that's exactly why I chose Steve Martin as, as the one. Is it the one where he's got like 12 kids, the cheaper by the dozen or something? It's not that either because there wasn't a young enough child in that movie, but I did think about it. My goodness. Steve Martin, 2008. All right. What are the five words? A part-time womb, lifetime family. It's funny because now I'm also thinking uh, Steve Martin was in Parenthood, which had we done parenting was a possible Shawshank for me. Oh, man, I don't know what movie you are talking about. What if I One gave time, you... Part-time womb? Part-time womb. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Is this... Um, I don't know the year on this one. Is this Baby Mama with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler? Hey, sure oh, is. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... I this one again. So the baby does exist in this, and the baby is the point of the entire film. So much so that it's in the title. 
Uh, very, very good cast, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler. So before I get into this, let me address the thing I wanted to mention about your movie. I love anything Tina Fey touches. I, anything Tina Fey does, like if she's on a podcast, if she's on a late night show, I think Tina Fey is hysterical. I have a very unusual relationship with both Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph, which is that if you were to ask me what I think of either of them, I think Amy Poehler's fine and something about Maya Rudolph kind of bothers me. But then if you point to almost anything that they're in, I like it and I like them in it. So I don't know what the difference is because I think of the, the three of them and Kristen Wiig sort of being like the really elevated SNL, right? Like that's like, that was like sure. the, they were, they owned that stage even more so than any of the men, which was great growing up with a mother who was obsessed with Carol Burnett. So that was like, that's exciting. And I love all four of them, but for some reason, Polar and Rudolph, like I just can't wrap my head around why I don't want to hang out with them, but then everything they do, I think is hysterical. So in this movie in baby mama, I really loved the Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, like opposite end of the spectrum thing. And I actually think that this movie is believable enough. I think it makes sense. I think it has a fair amount of depth and heart and a very interesting conflict, even though, highly unrealistic the way that it plays out, like the way that it would have gone down. Like clearly that's not a thing, but it's a movie. Uh, It's a great cast. I think it was predictable, but not like in a gross way. I do think it was very well acted. I thought Dax Shepard was hilarious in this, even though he's not in it a ton. Um, The, you know, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler thing, obviously on screen together is so good. Even Sisters, which neither of these are good movies in particular, but they're fun to watch. The, The thing that sticks out the most to me in this, which is so stupid but I remember the first time I watched it and it stuck out to me. There's a bunch of really fun food references in this movie, which Jeremy, you know that I consider myself like a bit of a gourmand and I know you are too. There are so many like delightful Philadelphia references here. Like she has an entire drawer full of tasty cakes, which is like the little Debbie, but that's like the Philly version. They only eat tasty cakes in Philly. There's the cheese. There's like a, there's that cheesesteak scene where she says no whiz because like you get provolone. Like it's, there's that thing. Um, there's also a White Castle cup, which I remember being like, there are no White Castles in Philly. That's a big deal to a lot of people. Like, there's all these little food things that always makes me like laugh. Um, but also, that's like the love of food that both Tina Fey and Amy Poehler always talk about having. And I happen to think this is a highly watchable and rewatchable movie. Not a particularly good one. Like, I'm not defending this as like a, it deserves sure. anything other than being. It's a lot of fun. It's entirely about a baby and getting ready for a baby and preparing for a baby. And I think it's like a great time. I think it's a great time. I, um, I, I've seen it. I don't remember anything about it other than enjoying it. I don't remember. I remember it was one of those, you know, to me, it sort of fits into that, like almost throwaway comedies where it's like, yeah, if it's on, you can watch it. It's not, it's not, you're not going to be like, Oh, I can't believe I wasted two more hours watching that thing. Right. But you're also probably not like, Oh, baby mama's now available to stream on Netflix. I got to put that in my queue today. Yeah, this is never an appointment viewed movie, but it's one that you're never going to be frustrated you sat through. That's a perfect way to, to yeah. put it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm going to sort of build on my last one a little bit, going back to 06. Okay. Lot six, starring, and if you would do his name for us, please, our favorite British actor. Oh, what? Michael Caine? That's right. With Julianne Moore. Oh. And if Away We Go was Road Trip to Find Home, this is Road Trip to Find Sanctuary. To Find Sanctuary? 
Oh boy, I really don't think I know. What year is this? 2006. 2006. Michael Caine. To find sanctuary. How hard are you pushing the edge here? Not, not fully in category. And I actually think the description is fairly on. I mean, if I were to give any five words to like make an obvious version of this movie, it's not those five words, but okay. Like the, the ver that would be more like, uh, no babies last 18 years. No babies. Oh, oh, oh God. Uh, Clive Owen. Yeah. Well, what's yeah. the name of this movie? Children of men. Yeah. Sugar, honey, iced tea. I forgot about this. <laughs> so this was, so again, when we got past the, okay, there's not enough baby movies that I like, and we're not doing all parenting movies, but I got to make the category work. And I started going into, okay, what about interesting movies with pregnant people? This was now the top of that list. Um, in fact, if there was, if we were just doing interesting movies with pregnant people, this would be the top of that list. Uh, yeah, fair. You've seen it, yes? Oh, yeah, I've seen it only once, and I remember really, really liking it. But yeah, yeah, I think this is a this is one of those a one time kind of movies. Also, maybe if it's on cable and you get anywhere near that that twelve minute take near the end, you're like, yeah, okay, I got to watch that part again. Yeah. Um, and this was before they were even cheating with long takes. This was a true long take, which yeah, legit. mad respect. Um, so the, yeah, I won't tell you what, in case people haven't seen it, we're just going to go with whatever happens, happens. But there is this 12 minute long take of an action scene that is epic in the end of this movie that alone warrants watching the movie. So even mm -hmm. if you start watching, you're like, what is this all about? Um, the basic storyline though, the, the premise is that some mysterious, um, disease. I don't know. Maybe it happens because too many people tried uh, ingesting horse tranquilizer or something. Yeah, way to go, Joe Rogan. <laughs> hey, I wasn't naming names. I was just saying a thing that people seem to be doing. I'm naming names. <laughs> All right. I mean, he's our number one competitor for attention. So <laughs> yeah, sure. We're coming for you, Joe. <laughs> um, man, didn't you love Joe Rogan back in News Radio time, though? I still love Joe Rogan now. I just want him to be like, as Prince Harry said, you have an enormous platform. Just think about that when you talk. That's all I want. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and I got to say, like, I, I think he does a lot of stuff for show that I wish he wouldn't. Anyhow, um, like, I don't think he believes most of what he says, but whatever. Let's not Joe Rogan it up any more than this. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, how did we get on to Joe Rogan? Oh, right. So the the whole population of Earth has somehow become sterile. There have been all these wars. It's been 18 years since baby. And there's this magical pregnant woman. And they're trying to get her to this sanctuary, which is somewhere off the coast of England. I don't know which island in particular. I don't recall. I should watch it again. But it's a well-done movie. It's it's fully in that category of why is Clive Owen not huge, mm -hmm. right? He's so good in this. It's again him doing the. It's like the same character out of Born and the BMW films where he's this obviously you know, I, I believe Clive Owen as a badass. Like I, I accept him in that his ability to get serious uh, is just so good. It. it um, I was listening to the rewatchables on Last Mohicans and the quote about Daniel when Daniel Day Lewis said to the colonels, one day you and I are going to have a serious disagreement. 
Clive Owen's the kind of guy you don't want him saying that to you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Nope. No, thank you. Uh, and he carries this movie, I think, very well. Julianne Moore's great in it. Kane's great in it. Uh, the Everything about the cinematography is wonderful. The pacing's nice. It can be a little like um, start stoppish in a couple of ways. I think that's just Quaron's directing style. It's definitely my favorite of his movies. And uh, I give it a recommendation. Children of Men. I'll have to watch it again. Um, yeah, I, I love Clive Owen. We've talked about how much we both love Clive Owen. I agree with you that he is like 100% I don't want this smoke guy. Like, I don't want that smoke. Whatever he's, if he's mad, I'm like, yeah, he's probably just right. We'll just let him be right. Um, that's great. It's great. It's also a really good cast. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, now for something completely different. Uh, oh, boy. All the rest of my movies are pretty bad. I accept this one. This one's actually not bad, but it's different. Uh, March 31st of 2017. Uh, Toby Maguire and Yimmy Kimmel. Uh, Lisa Kudrow and Steve Buscemi. There you go. What are your, what are your five? And then I'll give you mine. My five words are brother stifling career possibilities. Mine was little brother wears an Armani. Very, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, so this is the boss baby. Is this in your top five? It, it is the last entry that's hovering between it and Pong. So, no. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so, two pieces of trivia that I... this These two pieces of trivia almost catapulted this into my top five just so I could share it with you. So, you've clearly seen the movie. Several times because I have children. Right, same. And of all the movies that I've had to watch with my daughter... To be clear, I love like all animation. Like I actually think animation is an amazing vehicle. Uh, and most of them aren't bad. This one in particular, we watched quite a bit of, and I still like it. Like I still don't mind when she chooses this. But uh, there are two things that really made me happy. One is the cookies are for closers line, which yeah. like is such a great nod to Alec Baldwin. Like that's just, I think that was so fun. It, it makes me laugh every time, even though I know it's coming. The second one is young Timothy is a guy named Miles Bakshi. Uh, his clock is Wizzy the Wizard. And you, I'm, I'm sure you've probably noticed that it's like very clearly Gandalf the Grey. He says he shall not pass and flies you fools. Go ahead. What did you say his last name is? Uh, Bakshi. Is his dad uh, Ralph? And that's why I wanted to bring this up. So. Wow. His grandfather directed the original Lord of the Rings in 1978. No, I, I, in, in Insanity, and you know my stuff for that movie, I actually have open in a tab right now some incredibly long, exhaustive look at Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings that I'm dying to watch, but it's, it's like an hour long. <laughs> but uh, I'm very familiar with it. I saw it as a kid. Um, so I had no idea that connection, though. That is amazing. I just thought that was so neat. I was like, that is such a cool, specifically for you, Jeremy Pull, to be like, oh, there's like a direct line, which now makes Wizzy the Wizard that much more interesting that that's part of the movie. But anyway, trivia aside, I love this movie. Like, I think there's a really nice balance of adult and kid humor in it. Um, it's a really unique concept. It takes the idea of talking baby, which has been done, uh, and I think it does it in a really clever way by like putting it very squarely in this kid universe. I think Alec Baldwin could not have been better cast here. Like it's so perfect. Like 
it's just like a fun construct and concept for him. Yeah, I, I think this is a. I think this movie only works because of Alec Baldwin. I, I yes. was giving this some thought. I think there's a few other people, like maybe, maybe like Michael Douglas. I think there's a, a few, a very smallest of actors whose voice carries that certain type of Jack Donaghy-ness. Yeah. Like, you, you've got great actors who can do, like, and again, all, all um, issues aside, like Kevin Spacey can pull off these kind of roles, sort of did in that cat movie, um, uh, Nine Lives. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Sorry, that was just, just not good animation. Uh, as I just mentioned, Dan, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis can pull it off. Like, there's a lot of people who can pull off, but it's, I mean, it's just perfection for Baldwin. And I agree with you. I think he, he not only does he make this movie a lot of fun, but like the way he does it and, and the way they animate around him is obviously good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing with him is we all know that his comedic timing is brilliant, like just as a person too. Like he's amazing on talk shows, but he yeah. does. He has that cadence. He has that voice. Like he has this waspy air about him that translates so well, even through animation and they animated around it perfectly. I also loved Tim. I liked this hapless pretend kid who was an only child. Like it's a really moving and, and sweet story about becoming a family too, which can get lost in sort of the, the humor side of it um, and baby corp, which is just such a funny idea. I just think this is a much better thought out movie than people give it credit for because it's a kid movie. Like they made the universe and it like kind of tracks, like it all kind of makes sense and it lives in its own little thing. And I really like it. Like, I think it's a really enjoyable like flick. Like it's good regardless of the fact that it's for kids. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm, I am curious. So I found, um, this is one of those other, another one of these entries in the, when there's a scary moment, it's it's fairly scary. How did uh, Lennon hold up with the nightmarish um, uh, when when the the crazy other babies in the daycare center? I don't even know what, what you know. Like there, there's like the three. There's the triplets, and there's like oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, well, the and the guy, looking, it's like a zombie attack scene. Yeah, no, she loved it. We we had no issues with this, and this is actually so. There's. The the big kid, like big baby, who like yeah. just always has the pacifier in his mouth. I I reference and quote that kid all the time because all he says in the movie is run, 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 run. And my little one is a crazy person and just runs around my house. And so nice. when she gets motoring, like I I'm quoting Boss Baby a lot. Like unintentionally. It's just now part of my vernacular. I see her running, you know, no shirt, diapers, straight to a, like a brick wall. I'm just like run, 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 run. It's a fun movie, man. I love this flick. I'd watch it right now. It's great. Nice. Nice. Uh, all right. Then I now no longer have this debate, so that's good. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm going to go with, um, you know, I have a couple of entries here that, that that aren't great, haven't seen in a while, probably don't hold up, but kind of want to give them a quick nod anyway. So we'll go all the way right back to 1987. Okay. With Nancy Travis. Okay. And Ted Danson. I think I know what this is. And the five words are dudes should have hired an au pair. Yeah, this is three men and a baby. It is. Yep. And I don't know if I've seen it since let's go with 90, 91. So, hey, everybody, if it's really terrible and I just totally don't remember that, uh, you know, that's on me. And I'm sorry about that. But I do remember watching a lot of it in the late 80s because, you know, again, cable reruns, HBO, etc. It's all we had. And I used to really enjoy this movie. 
And I'm so curious if I were to watch it now as an adult, like, does it, does it make sense? Does it hold up? Steve Gutenberg, you know, JT, I don't think you understand Steve Gutenberg in the 1980s. He's one of those actors that like, I I don't know what happened to his career. I don't know if he's ready for a resurgence. I don't know if he's a Brendan Fraser. Don't know what happened. But in the eighties, he was like somehow comic gold, despite sort of not being a great comic. Makes any sense? (laughs) It does. Right? Like he couldn't hold up against an Eddie Murphy or Chevy Chase. And if you think about Three Men and a Baby, the other two aren't really stand-up comics. Like they're not, they're comedic actors, not comedians. Right. Right. And maybe that's what happened. And maybe we just sort of shifted into the 90s where you could no longer be, that just didn't work. That wasn't sufficient. You had to do more. Right. Like even, even today, like Steve Carell can do a stand-up, right? We, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the modern comedic actors are, tend to be comedians as well. So I don't know, but having this cast was amazing. This bizarro storyline that makes, of course, no sense. I'm sure this modern version, you just do a quick uh, 23andMe test or something. You'd be all done with, with the whole story. Right. But I remember it being touching. I remember it being funny. I remember it being interesting. And I hope that it still is and that people are still enjoying it wherever they are. And I just sort of felt I wanted to include it today as a little shout out to an 80s classic. Yeah, so this is in my Fast Five. I don't remember basically anything about this movie other than <laughs> the guy from Police Academy and Short Circuit next to more famous people. Because that's who Steve Gutenberg is to me. <laughs> right, but back then, he he was up. Like I would say Steve Gutenberg in the 80s was unquestionably bigger than Ted Danson was. Right, I mean, Cheers was a mega comedy but Steven Gutenberg did the Police Academy movies. He did Airplane. Yeah. It, it's a pretty good roster. Oh, yeah. I, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought it up. I do think it's a movie that it's one of the first ones that I wrote down because it's like it has the word baby in the title and it's clearly about a baby. So that made sense. Um, I do want to react to the comic thing just because you know how much I love stand up comedy. It, it made me think of something interesting. So the alt comedy scene was not as big yet in the late eighties. So you had to be punchline driven, right? So it had to be Kinnison. It had to be Bill Hicks. It had to be Eddie Murphy, right? Like those guys were killers. The alt comedy scene really came to be more in the mid nineties and late nineties, which is why guys like Carell, like they're not traditional standups. They're more like storytellers and they're like, it's a little bit different. It's a little more immersive. It's a little bit like different. So that is weird, right? Because Gutenberg, couldn't hang with those guys, but had there been an alt comedy scene, a better one, maybe he would have been a little bit more prolific in that world too, as opposed to just getting hunted down by these huge comedy names, which the late eighties, early nineties is a tough time to be a comic because it was real good. <laughs> right. By the way, I've, I think I accidentally said airplane when I was uh, running through some of Mr. Gutenberg's uh, roles. My, my bad. That's Robert Hayes. I, I don't know what I was um, thinking. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, Gen X. I'm going to let you down, but but I caught myself this time. There you go. Hey, listen, I wouldn't even have known. Uh, all right. So he's definitely the guy from Short Circuit. I just want to say that again. Uh, so now I'm going to go into two bad movies, but I'm going to defend him anyway. I'd be surprised if you've seen one of them. I think you've probably seen one of them. I can't imagine you have. So we'll do August 5th, 2011. I'm going to share with you that it's a 39 on Metacritic. Was that high? Huh? Oh, yeah. It's real high. Uh, I'm going to give you Alan Arkin 
and Gregory Itson. All right. <laughs> Alan Arkin's one of those interesting actors that he's, he's a phenomenal actor. Love him in the Kaminsky method. Uh, but he also has a tendency to end up in like really awful movies for some reason. Yeah. He's not afraid to say yes, for sure. <laughs> um, but I also happen to think that like, even the movies I've seen him in where the movie's not great, he's always so good. Like he's so good. Uh, so the five words I'll give you is daddy doesn't seem quite himself. Daddy, what year? 2011. I'm pretty sure I have not seen whatever this is going to be. Yeah, probably not. So this is the change up. Have you seen this? Is that the one with Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston? No, that's the switch up. Oh. Which also is about babies, and I thought about that, but didn't use it. The changeup is Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds. I don't know if I saw that one. So this is a body swap movie, entirely derivative. You've seen okay. this movie, even though you haven't seen this movie. Sure, sure. You just haven't seen it with Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, who have been like longtime friends, and it's great. <laughs> but is it great? Like, is this a you've watched it a few times over? Oh yeah, fun. One, it's just fun one time through and and walk away. You could totally watch this movie more than once. It's, it's I think okay. it's rewatchable. Here's why: the critics panned it. It's a preposterous plot. It's a body swap. Like whatever. Like you can figure it out. That's fine. The reason I think it's actually highly rewatchable: the body swap happens between the plot of this. I'm not ruining anything. It's like two college buddies. One like fast tracked you know, lawyer, smart guy, family, twins, hence the baby part. And then Ryan Reynolds, who is like lost soul. By the way, there's a ton of Deadpool references in this movie because he was actively trying to do it. So like he has a scene with a samurai sword. There's a Deadpool poster on his wall. Yeah, he did like a lot of fun little stuff like that. And then they have to live the other person's life. And that's in general, good movie fodder. Like that's a good one time through. Add Leslie Mann and Olivia Wilde as the two female leads, and then Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman, and this movie is rewatchable. And there's a couple hilarious scenes of watching Jason Bateman, who is embodied by the Ryan Reynolds attitude, fumbling around with his kids. Like it's great. It's like high, yeah. it's like really, really high level, like well done comedy. It's not a whole lot of the movie, by the way, but it's good. And I don't care how much the critics hate this. I actually think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I'm. I, I think the. Uh, I think we're ready for more. But I think we're ready for some more interesting takes on the on the body swap genre. Like, have one of the. I, I don't mean to be crazy morbid, but like, have one of them die or something. Do something really out there, like, like a really thoughtful indie body swap movie or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, I actually think I would get down for also not to be like weird and lean too heavy into the times, but like with this, the concept of gender fluidity, like I do think there's a lot more fun that could be had because traditionally it was always very specific, like either completely absurd or like this, which is like my buddy's body, uh, he's crazy and I'm a dad. (laughs) Like there's so much more you can do there and actually try to make probably a more interesting and like introspective piece. I would love to see more like that. Or wait, how about this? Like an SNL or, or a Quibi, Quibi movie where it's only a few minutes long, where the two people are actually very similar. Right. They don't even notice. <laughs> people barely <laughs> notice. They're like, yeah, JT, you got you got a cold there? Because you, you kind of sound the same. You're like, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm just, yeah, I'm just not feeling myself a little bit. But mostly I'm good. I get it. <laughs> all right. Uh, so going all the way to 2017 and really taking the category into a – 
stretchy, stretchy place, but I just had to do it. Okay. Jamie Foxx and John Hamm. Jamie Foxx and John Hamm in 2017? Yeah. Horrible bosses? I have no idea. Keep going. Listens to iPod while cruising. What was Jamie Foxx in with John Hamm? Like, I can't think of a single movie they were in together. Listens to iPod while cruising. Uh, I have no idea. The movie is, drumroll please, Baby Driver. You're the worst. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, Jeremy. (laughs) Well, his name is Baby. Uh, And I will say, if I include Pong and Fast Five, this is not the only time I do this. So, just just saying. Um, Not to say I didn't even make a Google search for such a thing. But uh, I... (laughs) When I reached that, all right, I got to stretch my list, but I really wanted to include movies I like. All of a sudden was like, hey, Baby Driver. That's about a baby. Just not a little child baby, a person who's named Baby. And we didn't say that that wasn't uh, against the rules. No, you're well within the confines of this. If I recall, you had not seen this movie last we checked. I still have not. So it's interesting. By the way, I always, I often confuse certain plot points with uh, Logan Lucky because they came out around the same time and have a lot of similar shtick. And are both actually worth watching. They'll probably don't do it the way I did, which was like one or two nights apart, which is why I'm like, which is the one with Adam Driver again? And it's not yeah. this one. So this is this is just sort of a good evolution of your heist, caper, Ocean's Eleven-y, car chase kind of movies. The interplay, by the way, between Jamie Foxx and John Hamm is awesome. If you like either of them, they are both at like top – top of themselves like jamie fox actually plays this semi-terrifying um bad guy i mean they're all bad guys they're gang they're criminals right they're off you know heisting heists or capering capers or whatever they're doing um ansel elgort plays the lead and he's driving and he is a i don't know if he's a good driver i don't know how much it's stunt and real but he plays the part well. He could he could almost have been like Clive Owen's son, the way he plays the role. Like oh, that's wow. how good he does with the driving. It's a fun movie. I think you might not love it, but you're definitely not gonna you're not gonna have a bad time giving this a watch. And I think you in particular, JT, would enjoy it because there is a lot of music playing into it because he is like his whole thing is he has the AirPods in or uh, an iPod going the whole time he's driving around. And he times his driving to the beat of the music and it and it's well done. Yeah, th- so funny enough, uh, always wanted to see that. Love Jamie Foxx. Like, I love Jamie Foxx all the way back to um, Through the Foxhole, which was his first stand-up, which was is so good. Um, and John Hamm's the best. So definitely want to see it. And saw Logan Lucky and remember thinking, can't watch both too close. I got to, like, I'll come back to it. And just never got back to it. But I will put it back on my list and try to get to it now. I'm curious which one you end up end up preferring because they both have strong cast, strong. I mean, everything strong across both have good directors, good cast, good pacing, good storytelling. I think I have more affinity for this one, but but not by a huge amount. They're close, yeah. Adam Driver's so good. Yeah, yeah. He's Especially when so he good. doesn't take his shirt off unnecessarily. Yeah, but even when he does. Um, all right, my <laughs> last one. Uh, this is, I can barely even defend this pick, but I'm going to do it anyway. I also 
cannot believe you didn't pick a certain movie. Like I only had one this week where I was like, this one, Jeremy, will have to pick. The rest, I really don't know if you will. So I want to get to the one from 1989. Will come in Pong, JT. Okay, that's the that's. I'm pretty sure that's the one that I wanted. All right, uh, October eighth, two thousand ten. Also a thirty nine percent. I'll give you Melissa McCarthy and Josh Lucas. I can't think of what they were both in together. So go on. Okay. Uh, five words. New parents after sad event. New parent. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of guessing where this one goes, but uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm guessing this is some kind of movie where Melissa McCarthy is like the godparent to someone's child and that person dies and she becomes the mom and she's totally hapless and I'm guessing Josh, I don't think Josh Lucas would be her partner, but maybe I could get that wrong. So you, you're, you're very close. It's not Melissa McCarthy. So the two actual leads of this are Catherine Heigl and Josh du, uh, Duhamel. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, and the du, movie's du, called Life du, as du We Hamel. Know It. Duhamel. I always, his last name gives me so much anxiety when I read it. I Like, listen, Kamel Nanjahani, no problem. Josh Duhamel, I got nothing. Really hard. It's just missing a letter or something. I, it's just weird. There's an H in there, and then there's the I don't know. The transition between the H and the M really really get me. Uh, you nailed it. This movie's on Roger Ebert's most hated list because it is the most predictable. It is pure schmaltz, like pure schmaltz. Like they don't even try to hide that it is. However, even though it's like a mishmash of every rom com ever, um, and it's okay written. Uh, I actually enjoy the hell out of this movie. Like, I actually think it's pretty good. I don't know why. Uh, the the basic plot you nailed, right? So uh, two godparents from one uh, dad's friend, one mom's friend. They leave the kid to both of them. They are polar opposites who cannot get along, who have hated each other forever. And now they just are thrust into this, like, you know, Child Protective Services is coming over to make sure that you're taking care of this kid and they have to get along and they have divergent careers and like literally just like the least interesting writing of all time. But um, I do happen to think that it's like really, really well acted and I really enjoy Josh, whatever his name is. I even though Catherine Heigl has like a terrible reputation, um, I tend to think she's a really good actress. Like I actually do like her in most of the stuff. Um the idea of like adopting kids also is kind of interesting. Like she has adopted two kids. She grew up with an adopted sister. Maybe that's why her performance in this is like particularly kind of like meaningful, but there is a really interesting community through line around how parenting, like the whole takes a village thing. That's like really subtle and totally subtext to an otherwise totally middling movie, like absolutely mediocre, but I really liked it. And the movie really is about, the baby and the child and trying to do the right thing by it. And hapless is a way that I think they don't show parent parents enough. Like very often I think in movies are either too hapless or too well-prepared, like, which is why I think Apatow does a really good job with like being, you know, okay. Parents is a thing he's very good at putting on film. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I just thought that this one, like more so than a couple, the one that you didn't pick uh, I thought you would pick, so I didn't pick. So you'll talk about it in Pong. And then another one that absolutely is a better movie that I wanted to talk about, but I have talked about before more than once and only 13 episodes ago. So it got kicked down. So for that reason, 
life as you know it. And uh, you should never see it unless it happens to be on TV and it'll be fine. That was a very odd little meta meta speech you went on there, my friend. But uh, I will not see this movie that you may or may not like that is well acted, but is not good. Well, I just I know what it is. Like <laughs> anyone who's seen it is going to be like, it's not a particularly good movie. Right. And I don't disagree. Like it's it's just it's schmaltz. It's like very it's okay. lazy, very yeah. lazy. But as we talked about, I didn't think of like a baby driver sort of thing. So I had to find I wanted to find stuff that was really around babies and this one you know my wife loves this movie it's a good date movie all right well i think um i i'm i don't maybe i'll see it i don't I'm, i don't know yeah, you should. I don't know. actually it's funny i was just reading about katherine heigl and, and how she sort of got booted out of hollywood by basically dissing all of her own work and the people who she worked with which is an interesting move yeah she has a really weird journey because like she had all of the you're gonna be a huge star she did the raise anatomy thing but then there was like weird stuff about her mom being her manager and she was like impossible to work with and then she like just trashed everything she's ever made with everyone she's ever worked with and it was like that's like a really weird career ending move that now she's been very apologetic about but it's like hollywood's not really big with reopening doors like robert downey jr is the exception. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very, very few. And and yeah, poorly handled. So are we uh, ready for some Pong? Let's roll. Okay, so these are our next five. Not quite as much discussion as the first five, but, you know, we'll, we occasionally delve. So let's get it out of the way. 1989. Yep. Odd POV with a narrator. Oh, wait. Now you have me nervous that we're not talking about the same movie. No, we are. I just... Okay. I was trying to be cutesy there. Olympia Dukakis and George Siegel. Oh, no. We might not be. Look who's talking. Oh, so here's the thing. Oh, man. So that was my Pong. I totally – I was thinking of a completely different movie that also came out in 1989 that I thought you might pick. Yeah, so, yeah, look who's talking. Uh, I, I just – or not Pong. This was my Shawshank. I was just going to be yeah. like, look who's talking. Is Let's just get it out of the way. I don't remember enough of it to talk about it. I just – Bruce Willis as a baby makes me laugh. That's pretty much the whole story. All I remember is Bruce Willis's baby makes me laugh, and I remember uh, the, the the this was the first of two revivals of Travolta's career. Okay, yeah, totally fair. Yeah, third uh, one coming soon, we assume. Always no. So this is the one that I thought you would do. So uh, June of 1989, mommy's painted friends a jerk. Mommy's painted friend is a jerk. Yeah, mommy's painted friend. Is someone with a tattoo or something? So maybe this... I don't know how you feel about this movie, but Ghostbusters 2, man. Oh, uh, I I like Ghostbusters 2 from a very odd angle. I like all of the bits and I don't like the movie. Got uh, it. Like, yeah. Peter Makes McNichol, total sense. Yeah. Peter McNichol in Ghostbusters 2 is one of my favorite performances of all time. Um <laughs> All of the little bits in the old subway, all the, they're all really clever bits, but as an overall movie, and it's funny because I'll actually watch it. If it were to be on cable or whatever, and I watched cable, then I would then I would go happily. So okay, so that was your first pong. That wasn't that was a pick. That's my pong, yeah. Uh, two thousand and seven, one night stand after school special. My accidental parents became friends. So we'll share this one for Pong. This is knocked up. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think this, by the way, perfectly encapsulates your uh, Apatow comment of 
sort of normal people just sort of normaling it up and failing a bunch and succeeding here and there. Yep. But the, uh, the it was in the trailer, but still one of the best bits of any of Apatow's thing is like, are you playing fetch with my kid? <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, so good. So good. All right, back to you. We'll share that one. Okay, this one I think would probably be, oh, this is one of mine I have to pick for you. It was 93. Can't kill sibling from camp. Can't, oh, Adam's family? Values. Oh, yeah. totally forgot about this. Yeah, that was that one definitely could have been in my pong for sure. It almost went to my top five, but we sort of talked about it here and there, and I just, yeah. you know, it deserved the nod, and that was that. It's good. Uh, all right, so December 2007, From Accident to Angel. From December? From Accident? I have no idea. So this is the one that I, this absolutely would have been my top five instead of the last two that I did, but I've talked about this before, Juno. Ah, uh, right. And I, yeah, it, it, I definitely saw it on the list, but still haven't seen it. So there you go. Ooh, gotta see it. <laughs> 1987, nobody puts her in a corner. Baby, good for you. Dirty dancing. Dirty dancing. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, this is another one I thought you might sneak in. 88, small friend delivers me per- delivers my purpose. Is that Willow? Willow. Yeah, Willow down my past five. Okay. Last one, um, 86, worst named Goblin King ever. Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. His name is Jareth. Jareth, yeah, I know. It's good. You can't have a bad guy named Jareth. No, you can't. You definitely can't. You can't really have any bad guys naming that ends with a TH. <laughs> just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Jareth, cute story. Anyway. Uh, my last contender pong, 2016, uh, Odd Logistics to Find Family. You've not seen this movie. I have not seen this movie. No way. Okay. What is uh, this is Storks. This is Andy Samberg. This is another uh, animated one. Oh, it's like a DreamWorks one, right? I think. Yeah, it's pretty cute. It's cute. Yeah, I see it in my. It, it's in one of those. It's a, you know, I see the box art appear over and over again, but <laughs> yeah. never actually watch. Okay, so I've somehow eliminated, used up most of mine. So when I get to Fast Five, I think I'm more like Fast Three. I'm Fast Four. Two. So I got um, all I have left. So we did, we did Labyrinth, we did Willow, and we did Baby Mama, which was down here also. So all I have left are The Incredibles. Oh, Jack good Jack. one. Uh, we just talked about that movie a lot. And Monsters, Inc. Yeah, the, uh, Boo. Boo, thank you. I couldn't even remember her name. But I felt I felt they needed to mention, but, that, yeah, but we talked about them. Yeah, so Boo I had gotten rid of because I thought she might be a little old based on what we had talked about, but that's a good one. Incredibles, I left out for the same reason just because we talk about it. So the only ones that I have are Junior, which I thought Uh, might make yours, but probably not. It's awful. Uh, (laughs) I don't remember it. I remember laughing at it. My wife swears. She's like, it's such a good movie. I'm like, first of all, it definitely isn't. And second of all, you don't remember any of that movie, which is why you think it's good. Do not revisit it. Uh, The other one I had was Neighbors. It's a bit part for the kid, but Neighbors is a really fun movie. Uh, and then The Pacifier, which is like really early Dom Toretto stuff that always makes me laugh. Very cute. Yeah, I, I thought about Neighbors, the the, the, the recent one with uh, Seth Rogen. And, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. By the way, I had been thinking of like a rebooting Three Men and the Baby idea. And, and in there, I definitely had Zac Efron as one of the three. Oh. It's like yeah. perfect, perfect kind of guy for it. So actually, I, I don't think you've ever seen this movie, uh, but it's like I would love to see Zach Efron, uh, Miles Teller, and Michael B. Jordan would be like a hilarious way to do that. They're in a movie together already. 
uh, which is yeah, it's like a stupid rom com thing, but it's like it's like a relatively funny one. But the three of them played so well together. Michael B. Jordan was like very buttoned up; he was a surgeon or whatever, and then the other two were kind of goofballs in their own way. Like that energy was really good. Uh, so I I had thought of that when I thought of Three Men and a Baby. I'm like, how would you recast that? And those three came to mind immediately. I also would use I can't remember I don't I never remember the actor's name, maybe Jake something. Uh, the guy, yeah, I think it is from um, New Girl, the bartender guy. Oh, um, uh, Jack Johnson. No, Jake Jack Johnson. Johnson. Jake Johnson. I was right, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be fun too. He's great. Uh, I, I would give a nod because we can't. We were only doing scenes. I just want to shout out though. In my opinion, the single best use of baby in a movie is the Untouchables scene, the staircase sequence. <laughs> staircase sequence. Yeah. Fair. Is so I, I have this written down as like. I wish I could find a way to weave that in more than just saying that one, you know, five, six minute sequence, but it is such a good five, six minute sequence. I would say that that's probably one a and one B. If you could, if you can lend it into babies of animals is that the opening of, of lion King is pretty strong. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So we made it through the deliver. We've successfully delivered there you go. We've we've post. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere with that. Let's talk about next week. Uh, yeah, so it, it is your it is your pick uh, to deliver our <laughs> our category for next week. So, Jared, what what are we doing? All right, JT. I want to do something a little different, and we're gonna have to figure it out over the next week. But with Black Widow just showed up a month ago, Shang Chi's here. I think today is dropping. Uh, actually, there's two more. I mean, this is definitely the Q2 or Q, Q3 and 4 of Marvel movies for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think it's time for us to, to, to take a visit to the MCU. Okay. But I think we're going to have to deviate from format because otherwise we're probably just going to talk over each other for an hour because we probably like the same ones. So I'm planting the seed though. It's time to, time to hit some, some MCU goodness and let's spend a little time this weekend figure out exactly what we want to do with it. I think that's uh, yeah. So we've we've been dancing around this for a long time. Like this is one sure of the have. first things we came up with, and we were like, yeah, it feels like everybody's kind of done it. We now have enough of a catalog. I think it's the perfect time. Um, and you know, realistically, I'm just glad that I didn't use one this week because if you think Baby Groot didn't cross my mind, you're wrong. Oh, I I, I wanted to go there. I wanted to go there. <laughs> uh, all right, so. This was this was a challenging list. Like I think this was fun, but I like when we have to stretch. Your baby driver one is definitely a pick of the week as far as I'm concerned because that is absolutely so breaking the rules, but also not. And I appreciate that about you. That's what I appreciate about you, Jer. Thanks, buddy. All right. Uh, please do rate us, love us, share with your friends. Have a good time. And next week, we're jumping into the MCU. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know. Everything's alright